Welcome back to the Gimme a Bucks podcast. I am your host, Joel Graham. I do have my buddies with, with me today, Zach Wright, Paris Reed, and this is episode two. So let me give you a little bit about what we're going to get into today, how we feel about the Bucks new additions, what kind of defense we should play. Should Tory Craig be in the Bucks rotation, the top eight teams, you know, the playoff teams in the East that we think, who should take the game-winning or game-tying shot for the Bucks? the 2K ratings, and the question around the NBA, can the Suns be a top-four seed in the West? All right, so first question I got up for you guys is how do you feel about the, the Bucks' new additions so far? Now, we got Bobby Portis, Drew Holiday, Bryn, DJ Augustine, and Torrey Craig. Zach, how do you feel about those guys so far this season? Yeah, I, I like the new addition so far, um, how they've been panning out for all the Bucks rotations working. And I know last week Paris mentioned how Bobby Portis could be kind of that X factor for the Bucks. Yeah. And just watching the last couple games and how he's played this year, I think that could be very true for how playoff time comes and how really like uh, Andre Iguodala situation kind of impacts the play of come playoff time. And I think Bobby Portis could be that piece for the Bucks this year. So I, I do like that addition. Um, Drew Holiday, obviously, an upgrade from Eric Bledsoe. Mm-hmm. Um, so he, he's obviously bringing a lot more to the table um, than Eric Bledsoe was bringing. Um, I mean, la- not last night because Bledsoe warmed him up last night. I can't, I can't yeah. lie about it. Bledsoe had like the best game of his career last night when yeah. they, when we played That's the game. Right, but it's okay. Yeah. It's okay. But go ahead, Jack. Uh, uh, Zach, would yeah. you? Yeah, we'll just disregard how last night went. That was a, <laughs> was a rough, rough game for the for the Bucks last night. Exactly. Um, I mean, Giannis, Giannis stepped it up in the second half, but they dug themselves a pretty big hole in the first half. Yeah. Um, but I, I do like the addition of um, Bryn Forbes. Mm-hmm. I think with how Giannis plays to surround him with some shooters um, is kind of a big piece that they needed to add. And with him shooting forty three percent from three this year, it is a huge addition. Um, so I think. Those three are kind of those big, those big additions in the off season, and then on the list we got Tory Craig as well. Um, I don't think he's as big of a piece come playoff time, but I don't think there's any, there was no harm in adding him. Um, he's a solid role player coming off the bench, um, but I think those first three are really those big, those big X factor come playoff time. Those those guys will get their minutes and they'll make an impact um, to make a run in the playoffs. Yeah, heck yeah, man. Pierce, what you think? The new additions, how, how do you feel about them so far? Yeah, I mean, that's what I was saying. Drew Holiday, definitely an upgrade. He's been, he's been doing what I expected him to do, kind of running that offense, uh, kind of putting guys in their place. I think he's a nice bet to help Giannis with his mindset when we get into the playoffs. So I think that's probably one of the biggest plus pluses that we added this season. Bobby Porter, like I said, I think he's the X factor. He's that aggression that they're going to need, mm-hmm. especially when it comes to playoff. When times get tough, you got to play that half court ball um, to get some of those hard fouls. I think he's going to be a big plus for us, especially with the rotation. Um, DJ Augustine, uh, maybe the last game or two, I've been increasing and in liking his play a little much. I think he's better when he gets some minutes with the first string. 
instead of coming in with just the backup and the bench. So um, his vet mindset as well. I mean, he's he hasn't had a lot of uh, deep in the playoff run, but I think just an experience helps the buzz, helps their mindset, helps them think as we go. Craig, I think he 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 will be a good defensive um, backing for us. Uh, I, I noticed he doesn't have a lot of the offensive game in a sense, but I really like him for his defense. I think that's letting hands on the ball when he gets to the offensive side, side anyway. So I like him in there for those reasons, just to make it tough for some guys that we're going to be facing in the East. And if we make it you know, to the finals, yeah. that we're going to be facing in the finals. So I think that's a big plus. Yeah, but that's um, if Coach Bud plays him. That's what we need to worry about. But yeah. we're going to talk about that next. We're going to talk about that next. Go ahead. Gotcha. Uh, and uh, Brent Forbes, uh, I like him. I just think, you know, with us having such a short off offseason, uh, him kind of coming into the rotation, he definitely needs to step up his defensive, his defense. Uh, but I like him being able to come across, come off the ball, uh, catch some open three-point shots and sh- make them. Uh, I think he's a little bit a uh, liability on defense, but I think it's just mm-hmm. because they haven't practiced as much, hasn't had as much experience. I think um, as we get a little more experience, we have a couple more games, and uh, they'll be able to identify you know more of the gaps where they can help him on defense and still yeah. get that offensive production. Yeah. I mean, for me, with the new additions, um, with Bryn, I, I do like what you said and what you said uh Zach in Paris. Um, I do, I, I mean, Bryn getting better on defense is, I don't know, he's just small, you know, he plays hard on defense, yeah. but he, he's just, yeah. he's just small, you know, but I'll, I'll take him, you know, hustling and playing hard. Um, I like Bryn. I, I think he's going to actually win us a couple games in the playoffs because he's one of those shooters that, it doesn't matter if you're down or up. He's gonna shoot the ball, and it's it's he shoots forty percent from three point, you know, and forty three percent. I think you said Zach. So we're gonna need that aggression offensively. As far as DJ Paris, I'm with you. The last couple games, I've been liking him, and you know, he's one that I said we should get in the get in the um in the summertime on the off season, uh, but. I think he's just getting a little bit more comfortable with the offense. But now that you see uh-huh. him, one thing I don't like about him is when he when he um, sets the pick, I mean, I already know what he's going to do. Like, I know he's going to do that pocket pass to the big man. Like, I think he should be a little right. more aggressive, you know? Um, yeah. And, I mean. Kind of I, how he was with the magic. Exactly. Be, be more aggressive off that. Look to score first. And then pass because everybody knows he's gonna pass first. You know it's very predictable. Um, yeah. Drew Holiday. I mean, I've been loving Drew Holiday since Philly. I love that we got him. Um, I can't even with Drew. He's he's you know he was told by Kevin Durant and Dame Lillard on the JJ Raddick podcast that he's the best defender. So. And those are two lethal scores, you know? And, right. I mean, but Bobby Portis, that's my guy, man. Um, I'm actually recording in the underdog. You know, I supported, uh, he, he, he got a clothing line called Underdog. And um, 
I'm recording in his shirt right now. That, I, that's how much I like Bobby, man. I, I think he's gonna be a big player. I think he's gonna be big for us in the in the playoffs too. Uh, now, Craig, I like him defensively. Offensively, I don't think he's like terrible because he he's one of those that if he gets the ball and he knows he can't do something, he's not gonna do it. He's just gonna pass it, which you like that. Um, and he can cut, he can offensive rebound, um, and I love his defense. Uh, and I think he's going to win a couple games for us in the playoffs too, just from the defense, if he plays. Now that brings me to my next question. <laughs> Zach, should we be playing Tory Craig more than Pat Connaughton? What do you think? Now keep in mind, uh, yesterday, think- yesterday, Pat Connington was guarding Zion on three trips down. Right. <laughs> so go ahead, Zach. What do you What do you think? Yeah, I think I think regular season you can kind of sample size it a little bit and go a little bit both ways. Because um, Troy Craig, I think better. He's obviously better defensively than that's what Pat Connington lacks is. He's been a kind of a defensive liability for the Bucks, yeah. um, and as you said, he keeps getting these matchups with Diana up, and he's just kind of getting exposed defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tory Craig, for the most part, I mean, this year he's only averaging one point per game. Yeah. Um, for the Bucks, he's only playing around eight minutes a game, so it's hard to kind of sample of how he would play with the whole Bucks rotation. So you, um, they should I give him a chance, you know. Yeah, so I think kind of giving him a chance in the regular season, um, but come playoff time, I I'm leaning towards how I think teams are successful in the playoffs is kind of limiting the amount of guys who play in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think kind of how the bus rotation is. I think maybe Tory Craig could be like that last last guy off the bench who just kind of gets a couple minutes, um, but I don't think really either of those guys should be getting a solid amount of minutes for the Bucks. Yeah. Um, yeah. Not, to, not to choose either of them, but right. I, do, I do think they have all other pieces. Because right. um, regular season, over the last couple of years, the Bucks have been perfectly fine. They've been the best team in the NBA in the regular season for the last couple of years. Right. So I don't think regular season fixes is what, what they're looking at. Um, but come playoff time, I don't think really either of those guys are the answer. Um, yeah. And I think almost limiting both of them out of the rotation and even sending it to like a eight-man rotation or even seven-man coming down the stretch um, is more the answer that the Bucks could need come playoff time. I get you. I get you. Yeah, I mean, that's what I think we need to do too, like shorten the rotations. and But, I mean, as far as, like, I think Craig should play. I'm not saying, now this isn't like us just demolishing Pat. Because I do think Pat can play. It's just when he plays, I don't like Pat on Zion Williamson. I don't like Pat on Kevin Durant. I don't like Pat guarding James Harden. I would rather have Tory Craig doing that. You know? Um, so I I think Tory Craig during the regular season is act like you were saying, like this is the time to, you know, like see what Tory Craig can do. He only averages eight minutes a game. Like, you got to do it now in the regular season. See what he can do and, like, what he's shown, you know, his production was more defensively. And his what he brings is not going to show up, you know, in 
in like on the stat sheet. It's going to show up on the defensive end, you know, making it harder for the other team um, or the other team's best player, too. So, Paris, what do you think? You think uh, Tory Craig should be in the rotation right now? Oh, I agree. I mean, kind of still piggybacking off what you guys said right there. I, I want to cut Bud just a little slack last night game just because he was trying some different rotations out. Yeah. And that's all I asked him. You know, put some different players before, different combinations, and see what is your best lineups right now. And um, he gave Craig a couple of minutes out there. I think this is the best time. It's early in the season to, you know, see what Craig can actually give uh, to both sides of the floor, if anything, uh, just to see. I mean, like I said, at the end of the day, he is – he has to prove himself. Right. So let's see how he how he proves himself. Does he put himself out there? Does he go hustle? Does he jump out of bounds and get that extra, you know, extra possession? Um, so let's go ahead and do that. Let's try that out. Let's see it. I mean, with so, trade deadline, I'm not even sure what that is, but yeah. that's coming up sooner and later. So let's right. find out. Do we have some assets to even trade out? Yeah. So getting eight minutes a game, I, I don't think that's a large enough. Um, I don't think there's large enough playing time to to see what he can actually do. You know, I think I think we should you know just increase his minutes a little bit and just see what he can actually do. You know, um, all right. So, what kind of defense? You know, speaking of Craig, what kind of defense do y'all think we should play? Do you think we should um, switch everything? You think we have the lineup to switch everything? Do you think we should do the drop coverage? Now, the drop coverage is. You know, when the person that screens, their man just drops into the lane. Um, so, uh, Paris, what do you think? you think we should no. switch everything or <laughs> drop coverage? I, we're going to have to switch everything. I do not like to drop coverage. Uh, I think we get murdered on the three ball pretty much every game. So, I do not like the man coming off dropping in the coverage because I think they know that's one of our weaknesses for the Bucks. Mm-hmm. So we need to press the three ball, and and maybe it's just me. I kind of see some crazy things in the game. You know, that's kind of going back to the Pat Cottington thing. I, when he plays, it's like he drops so far back into the paint that when they pass the ball out, he's running full speed, jumping his athletic 40, I think 42-inch vertical, yeah. trying to get a shot contest. It's like, no, we – I don't know. I don't know if it's the IQ thing or whatnot, but – you we can't drop so far back where you're running full speed trying to put a hand in someone's face. Right. And so I think we need to press, you know, a little more pressing and uh, you know, pick up off the switch. We yeah. have to. And I think that's kind of the problem we fall even with Lopez out there. He drops so deep because he wants to protect the paint. But if they're pulling the screen for him or pulling the pick and roll for him, that person that's going to dribble through the screen is going to pull up at the three point line. Exactly. Exactly, Zach. What you think? Are we switching everything? Yeah. You think we should switch everything or drop coverage? I think, um, especially with today's NBA, I think especially come playoff time, switch everything has got to be the mentality. Yeah. Um, which is why, like that, Troy Craig, Pat Connington decision, um, especially if it's in the playoffs, if one of those two are going to be in the rotation, 
you would have to go with that Troy Craig, so they're not going to expose the Pat Connington mismatch. Yeah. Um, especially with how every single player in the NBA is playing nowadays, even even the centers, they're all going to be shooting threes. Exactly. Um, so I think I think you'll have to switch everything. Um, a lot of it is going to depend on matchups and see how you match up defensively against those teams. But I think for the most part. 95% of the time, you're going to want to switch everything. So I yeah. think that's got to be a big decision um, with how you ro- how the rotation is. Right. Um, yeah, I think... A lot of it... Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. A lot of it depends on, too. Like, there's some screens you'll, you'll be able to fight over if there's a, if there would be a big mismatch. Because, obviously, if you have a... Like, I mean, just looking at other teams, like Steph Curry's not the best defensively. But you'll make it work with him on the floor if right. you have to fight over screens for certain things. So I think if there was a big advantage for having, say, like if Pat Connington was a far superior offensive scorer than Torrey Craig would be, if you can make things work where, say, Giannis would fight over a screen over, so you don't have to do those switches. But I don't think drop coverage would be the solution because with mostly every single team in the NBA, all five guys on the floor are going to be able to shoot the three ball. Yeah. Um, even if it's not at the highest percentage, but you got to respect it. Exactly. Um, even with last night, even with last night's game, you got Lonzo Ball hitting seven threes. Eric Bledsoe hitting. I think it was another seven threes. Yeah. Like these so. guys aren't aren't known for their three point shooting, but if you leave them open, they they're going to knock them down. down which exactly. Is, which is just going to build build their confidence in other aspects of the game too, um, which is just going to be hard to come back with. So I mean, Giannis went off in the right. second half and did everything he could. Um, and they still lost the game. So come playoff time, if you have these weaknesses in your game, Giannis isn't going to be able to make up everything just by his offensive talent and dropping 30 points and a half. When <laughs> exactly. You got, you got all these guys have right. all the confidence in the world on the, on the other side of the ball. So I think you do have to switch everything. Um, but a lot of it does end up with, with what the matchup is on the other side of the ball. Yeah, I agree. Like having that, um, the matchup on the other side of the ball, like, it's not like a we should switch everything for every single team, but I do think that switch everything, like you were saying, Zach, um, in today's NBA, that's all they do is shoot threes. And these are NBA players. These aren't like amateur, like they know how to play the game. They know how to yep. sh- hit a three-pointer. These are professional. Um, these are professional athletes. Like, And I think... With the drop coverage, it just, I, I don't know. I don't like it at all. I think some teams should, you know, we should play drop coverage on, fight through that screen. But other teams, majority of the teams, I think we should switch everything. Because if you think as a shooter, if when you come off that screen and you don't see anybody, you're going to let it fly. That's exactly how Duncan Robinson kills us. And that's exactly how Tyler Hero last year, or even this year, he gets the screen, and if he sees all this real estate, Brooke Lopez is all the way in the... the, He can can shoot a three, he can shoot a mid-range, or he can attack uh, Lopez. Like, that's three options that you give... A professional score you know like it's not good you got to take something away make it a little harder on them so yeah when you switch (laughs) when you switch would you get a mismatch sometime absolutely you're gonna get that but i'd rather a mismatch with some kind of defense 
than no defense at all, you know? So at least make him work for it, you know? Um, I just think, I, I think Coach Bud, and if the person in, like a Lopez, if he wants to do that drop cup, switch him out with Tory Craig or Bobby Portis, like we said, you know, last episode. Just switch him out. Let's play small ball, you know? And I think Bud needs needs to do that if not it's gonna be tough because like zach you were saying we can't just rely on you know Giannis to score 30 and a half all the time you know and another thing is it's easier to switch everything you don't have to think as much and it's less work like it's it so you just switch it so you don't have to fight through screens can you imagine fighting through all those screens especially if you got to go through with Steph Curry. That's tiring. So by the fourth right. quarter, you're cooked. You know. Um, exactly. So game winning shot, right? We or game winning or game tying shot. Who do you think the creator should be, like the playmaker, and who do you think should take, or if you think the game, the playmaker and uh, the game tying. Uh, shot should be from the same player by all means now i think i think the playmaker should be drew holiday and the taker should either be drew holiday or chris middleton um yeah (laughs) yeah. so zach what do you think who should who who should be the playmaker who should be the the um who should get the game winning shot so i i I partially agree with what you're saying there. Um, I think Drew Holiday and Chris Hill has to be a major part of that. Um, but I think Giannis needs to have the ball in his hand at some point in the possession, whether it's to get the final assist or at least have his all five defenders' eyes on him. Um, because if the ball is just in Drew Holiday's hands to create for yeah. either him or Chris Hilton to get a shot, yeah, Giannis is, is not a threat at all. Um, he's you're not going to guard him to shoot a three. He's probably not going to be close enough if you're trying to create with Drew Holiday. So really, you're just taking the ass out of the play then, which I don't think, with him being the best player in the NBA, I don't think you can have that be your final option. So I think if putting the ball in Giannis's hands with the final possession, you now are creating all five players' eyes on the ball at one time where you can create more off-balls. With That's, a good point. That's a good point. So I, I do think... I don't want Giannis taking the final shot, especially if it's a three-point game. And that's... I think the ball needs, it needs to be in his hand. Otherwise, really, he's irrelevant to the possession because defensively, no one's going to put their attention on Giannis at the three-point line if the ball's not in his hands. So I think for the Bucks, Giannis needs the ball, but I do think preferably Chris Middleton takes that last shot. Yeah. But I wouldn't be upset if Kier Holiday would take that shot as well. So what you're saying is you think Giannis should create and yep. Drew or Middleton. Now, what about fouls? Like, what if Giannis goes and, you know, he tries to... Um, because if you look at the first play or, or the, the, the first game with the Celtics, they had him create, and he had the game tying free throw. Like, what if we hack... Yep. What if they hack Giannis, and then he just can't make the free throws? And that's why I would say that, and I think that's a good point. I think Giannis should be in there. Like, I definitely think he should, you know, create. 
But I think if he gets fouled, I don't trust his free throws. I think we're going to have another Celtic game to where he can't tie the game or uh, to send it to overtime or, or one of those situations. Uh, but him on the free throw line, I I don't trust it. But that is a really good point um, to where Giannis, Giannis could create and then you can have the off the ball with, you know, like a – Middleton right. said to pick or something. Yeah, I like that. Paris, what you think? Yeah, I'm definitely torn between this one. Uh, I think our best one-on-one player is Middleton at the end of the day. Yeah. Um, so I have no problem with him going ISO at the end of the game, spread the floor, let him take that you know, 17-foot shot. Three, honestly, I have no problem with him doing that. But, you know, I do like Drew. Drew at the end of the day is uh, his handles, his IQ puts him in that position to be able to do the same thing and kind of more versatile as well. Um, Giannis, he should have the ball in his hands at the end of the day. <laughs> right. uh, kind of, you know, agreeing with that. You put him at the top of the key, spread the floor, two uh, four shooters in each side or two, two sides of the floor. Uh, you either gonna have to stop him one on one, and if you create the wall, he passed out for hopefully an open three right. at the end of the day. So, I and I I get your point. It's free throw, but for me and me loving basketball, seeing basketball, playing basketball, he's going to have to be the superstar that he's labeled as at the end of the day, yeah. which means he's going to have to hit those free throws if he gets fouled. He gets fouled. If he wants to keep that, you know, two times MVP, he's going to have to be that two times MVP. I see. Which is, you get fouled, you make your shots. Which is, and I know, and I'm not taking MVP from him. I know he practices every day, before games, after games, during the, the games. <laughs> during the game, he, he's going to have to keep doing that. He's going to have to rightfully take that title and own it. And owning it is. Being clutch at the end of the game, hitting free throws, not running. Because I don't know, if maybe a couple of years ago when Brown was in Miami, and when Brown deferred to Wade and never wanted to take the last second shot, everybody was on Brown's back. What are you doing? Why are you taking a shot? You're a superstar. That is going to be coming Giannis' way very soon. I guarantee it. Yeah. Why don't you have the ball at the end of the game? You're a superstar. You're a two-time MVP. He's going to have to prove it at the end of the day. And I'm not saying he doesn't have it. It's that says it all. Right. He has it. It's, it's a mental thing. And he's going to have to break that himself, which is going to have to be in one of those situations. He takes the ball down the lane. He gets fouled. You know, you get a hand one or not. But he's going to have to step up to that line sooner or later. And he's gonna have to knock down two of those free throws. Yeah, that's true. Because he will he will be he will be forgotten if he doesn't do that. They're gonna be all over his back. And I want him to show that he is that player. Yeah. I don't I don't think he I, I don't think he's scared to take those shots, but I think he's nervous to take those shots, if that makes sense. I think he's ready that for is. it. I think mentally he's like, Yes, I wanna do this, I wanna be great. But when he gets to the line, he's like, oh, man, you know. And I, I, I just don't understand why he takes so long. You know, that gives him more time to think <laughs> about it, you know. And yeah. just get up yeah. there, bounce, shoot the ball. Like, what are you thinking yeah. about? Just just get up there. But 
you know. And shoot. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I mean, if you ever played the quickest way, like I forgot the commentator name for Fox Sports, but he always says, if you think too much, you create your nervousness. So yeah. you get up there and you just put the ball up in the air or you got two seconds on that shot clock and you throw the ball up, you're more confident. Because you're like, it can, it's a 50% chance I'm going to miss and make this. Yeah, so, Marcus I Johnson. Think, like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's big with that. And I totally agree with that. You know, you think about it too much. And this, we have no fans right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. you would think at the end of the day, like, you should not be as nervous. But, like I said, I'm not in that position to say if you should or shouldn't. Exactly. I just know he's going to have to prove himself sooner or later. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right. So, we're going to go ahead and switch segments. So, what do we have for the top eight teams what teams early on you know the first 20 or so games who's gonna make the playoffs so i'm pretty sure we're all gonna pick boston milwaukee philly and the nets for the top four you know like that's the top four um so the bottom five now currently what do you got for your bottom five or your bottom four um currently it's the pacers the hawks the Cavaliers and the Knicks right now. Who who's in? Who's out? For for now, it's only twenty games. But who's in? Who's out as of right now? Or um, in the playoffs? Yeah, this this is definitely a tough one, um, especially with the whole blockbuster trade that happened with the Nets. Um, it affected a lot more teams than just the Nets. Obviously, only most of the people are just talking about how the Nets got James Harden. Um, but the Pacers lose big player in Oladipo. Yeah. Right now, I would say the Pacers are a lock still in the playoffs. They're at the five seed right now. Yep. But with, I believe, Karius LeVert went there, and he just had his um, physical, and he's out for a period of time. Um, so who knows with you pretty much just losing the player there in that trade. So if that affects them, Long term, you could see them maybe making a drop, but I'll say still keeping the Pacers in that playoff spot. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- I think the Hawks stay um, right around where they are, either in that five or six spot. I think they added a lot of assets this offseason, and if Trey Young keeps playing at the level he's playing, he had a few few rough games um, in the middle of, of this stretch, um, but he turned things back around to his All Star level. So. Yep. Hawks, Hawks, I believe, are Hawks and Pacers out there, that five and six spot. The seven and eight is where it kind of gets. It gets tough, man. Icky. This is tough. Yep. All right. Um, you got to say the Heat are a playoff team. I mean, they went to the finals last year, but they, even from last week, we said that too, but they're still six and 12. Yeah. Um, I know they're, they're trying a lot of pieces out. They still have a similar roster to last year. So I do want to put the put the Heat still on that seven or eight spot, and then this one I was thinking a lot on. Um, I don't. The Raptors are an easy answer um, at that eight spot. Yeah. But I do. If the Cavs can keep up the level of play of what they're doing now, they can stay healthy. I do think the Cavs could kind of win their way into that eight spot. You know the Cavs were the number one defensive team. Like, well, yeah. I guess it was a long time ago, like ten games ago. But I'm JB Bickerstaff got them playing well. So, um, yeah, because I mean they are they are a young team. I mean they got Tyson and Garland who are playing really well. 
And then they do have veterans in Kevin Love, who has finals experience, so he's kind of a veteran leader for them. And then they have solid bigs in Andre Drummond. They just picked up Jared Allen in the trade. Yeah. So they have a lot of pieces all together. So I think if they can continue to play well together, I do think they can stay in that playoff picture. And Kevin um, Love think, hasn't played a lot this year either. Like no. He hasn't oh, even right. come back either. So that's a good point yeah. about the Cavs. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think the Knicks fall out of the playoff picture. I think uh, I don't think they're quite there yet. I think in a few years they might be a playoff team. Um, Randall's playing out of his mind right now. He is. Um, RJ, Barrett, RJ Barrett's playing probably his best season yet. Um, they will be. They're they're a decent team, better than they were in years past. I don't think they're quite to that playoff playoff picture. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, so I would say the Hornets and the Raptors are the two teams that are kind of borderline. Yeah. Um, Gordon Hayward playing very well this year. Yep. Um, Lamella Ball, you don't know what you're getting every night. So I think right. you could be getting an all-star level player. You could be getting a bus. Exactly. Really, at this point in the season, you still don't know what you're getting. So I think, I think the Hornets will be borderline. So I would say probably Raptors and the Cavs are kind of the ones fighting for that, fighting for that mid. Eight ninety playoff spot. Yeah. Okay. So you have the Pacers, Hawks, the Heat, and um, you're undecided with the um, Cavs, Cavs and Raptors probably. Cavs and Raptors. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Paris, what you got? Uh, pretty much a very similar list. I, I really think the Knicks fall fall out honestly, um, unless they. I don't know about their IQ standing they can stand in that eighth spot. I think they have one of their tragic <laughs> uh, lost streaks. Um, they yeah. kind of pulls them out. Like I said, we're only, we're only a quarter of the way through the season. I mean, they're playing good. They're showing that they are getting better, but they're not in. They're not. They're not. They don't have a lock in that eighth spot. I, I'm really still looking at the Heat at the end of the day. We're only a quarter way through the season. I think the Heat. Um, are trying their pieces. I know uh, I'm losing a player's name in my head right now. <laughs> but um, they're not full strength and with Bam playing the way he plays. And I think once they get Jimmy back, um, they play a little easier. J- Jimmy controls that team at the end of the day. Yeah, I feel absolutely. Like he, he just he, he, he puts his, his foot on the pedal and he drives that team at the end of the day. So I feel like, you know, it's, a, it's so early that he gets them back to that eighth spot or even higher at the end of the day. I just don't think the Knicks have it. I definitely like the Pacers. Um, They've been playing good ball at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. I think they got pieces to definitely keep them in the playoffs. Um, and when I look at the Cavs, the Cavs is kind of honestly surprised me. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, but. I think they are good. They're not like this team that you have to beat in the sense that they don't beat themselves at the end of the day. But the Knicks are pretty much the only team that I really do not feel that's going to sit in that spot. The other teams, you know, I always think of the Raptors. I don't see the Raptors making that push with Kyle out there right now. I don't think they have <laughs> yeah. everything that they need. Uh, definitely, it's still going to be a team to you know beat or a team that's going to be hard to beat on a night-to-night basis, but I don't see them pulling themselves up and putting themselves back into that, you know, that one of the eight spots. Yeah. Okay, so you got the Pacers, Hawks, 
uh, Miami and the Cavs? Cleveland. Yep, Cavs. I have the Cavs. Okay, so mine is similar to both of yours. Uh, we know the top four. I do have the Pacers. Michael Malcolm Brogdon is playing really good right now, like all-star level, MVP-ish level. Um, but that's next week um, as far as the MVPs. Uh, I do like the Hawks. I do think that um, Trey Young, like Zach was saying, like he's returned to his form, you know, that uh, – all-star form and then this is where it get a little dicey for me i mean <laughs> right cleveland they got good pieces over there man they got really good pieces sexton is playing out of his mind i like darius garland i just think he needs to be a little bit more consistent they got jared allen they got the rebounding machine um drumming I like their pieces over there, man. And Kevin Love hasn't played a lot of games yet. So um, I do like Cleveland, but I don't think I don't think they have enough yet to get past uh, Toronto. So I do have Miami in there at the seventh spot or eighth spot. And then I have to put Toronto in there. Toronto, they just have been doing it for so much. They have been doing it for so long. And, like, they just they're, – they're one of those teams – they're like the Spurs of the West, kind of. You know, like, they just know how to win. There's no, like, real great player over there. Well, I mean, now they got DeMar DeRozan. But, like, it, they, they don't really have, like – they just know how to win. And, and I think Nick Nurse is uh, good at that. And I see the the Raptors sliding in at, at that eighth or seventh spot. I think they get it together. Um, Siakam hasn't had the best, you know, year, but I mean, I do believe right. in My them. CP has not been doing it. Right, right. <laughs> and like Zach was saying, I, Lamelo Ball, you you don't know what you're gonna get out of him. I do like the Hornets roster, you know, uh, Washington mm-hmm. and. And Gordon Hayward and uh, Scary Terry, I like, but I don't really believe in it. You don't know what you're gonna get. Devontae Graham, you know, he's having an off year. You know, um, Zach Levine in Chicago, I don't really believe in them. Orlando got too many issues <laughs> over there. They got too many injuries. You know, um, right every year. Yeah, so I, I'm gonna have to put Toronto and Miami in there. And, I mean, if you look at it, um, Toronto and Miami, they're only, what, uh, three, two and three games out of the eighth spot kind of deal, you know? So, right. I, I think they get it together and, and they, you know, return to form. Um, so, another thing that I wanted to talk about was the disrespect of Drew Holiday. <laughs> and I... I and, the, the, the reason why I have this, because I don't play 2K, um, but I just saw it passing and somebody, you know, just said, you know, how is this? And I think that's a good question. How do you feel about Drew Holiday having the same rating in 2K as Tyler Hero? Now, how I feel about it, I think it's very disrespectful. I think for Dame Lillard, and Kevin Durant to say this is the best wing defender. And he, oh, I'm 
2K, this is from last season. This isn't from this This is from last season. Drew Holiday averaged 19.1 points a game. Tyler Hero only averaged like 13-something points a game. How are they the same rating? One is arguably the best wing defender. One can't guard a statue. You know, so it's like, it's one of those situations where it's like, how are you coming up with this, the same rating as Drew Holiday? I think it's disrespectful. Paris, what do you think? Oh, yeah, definitely disrespectful, especially with uh, Tyler really just coming into the league. He had a great season last year. Can't really deny that. He yeah. had a knockout season. But I think they put so much emphasis on his three ball that it'll raise or lower your uh, your 2K rates at the end of the day. I haven't played 2K probably since the last season, if anything. Um, but it's more about just how you perform out here on the season in the sense and Tyler had kind of made a name for himself so they kind of forget about players like Drew Holiday who's been doing it consistently yeah. throughout his career and they you know when you get a new face out there they look at that and it you know to make sure that you go play Miami Heat on 2K that you're going to get what you just seen in the playoffs when they were playing the Bucks and right. whatnot oh, they were playing the Lakers so I think that's why they raise it I mean we all know reality that's two different styles of right. play. Right. Two different players at the end of the day. And, I, and I'm not taking away from Tyler Hero as well because he is a phenomenal player. I like I Tyler. Him in high school. And he's from Wisconsin. He he's from Wisconsin. Yeah, so Wisconsin, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm not saying he's bad. I, I like him. I just don't think he's on the same level as a Drew Holiday. Exactly. And then when you had Drew Holiday on the Pelicans, I mean, it was a team that you. Even the, even if they had uh, uh, name right now, <laughs> but even with the Pelicans, you have them out there. You know, it's a team that wasn't nationally televised that much. Yeah. Uh, even with Zion out there, in a sense, so you kind of forget about them. But like you say, yeah, Miami playing the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. You had them playing in the Finals for the Lakers. It was just more to ramp up, you know, their ratings. So you go play them when you play the game. At the end right. of the day. So I never, never have ever understood the 2k ratings but they never made sense yeah i don't think they make sense to a lot of people zach what you think uh how you feel about drew holiday being the same rating as tyler hero i think you guys pretty much touched on it right at the end there i mean 2k is all about the ratings and people are talking about it a lot just in NBA in general now people want to watch offensive talent and yeah. aren't caring too much people don't watch just a casual fan who's watching NBA games to watch defensive battles. They want those games where you're putting up 130, 140 points a game, and they don't care as much about um, the defensive end of the ball, which I believe is exactly what 2K is. And they're all about the ratings. Just want to sell, sell the game, market to those people that want to use players that are that offensive skill set. So I think just as someone who plays, if you play 2K you're going to want to pick someone like a Tyler Hero skill set rather than Drew Holiday skill set. Oh. So I think just a, way, just a way for them to right. market the game. That's a good you're going point. To level those, you're going to level those two as similar players and skill sets so okay. that someone coming in as just a casual fan who all they care about is offense, Yeah, you're going to pick a Tyler Hero over Drew Holiday who his ratings at an 83 due to his defensive skills, whereas Tyler Hero, you're going to go out there 
throw up a bunch of threes. Throw up a bunch. Of, I see. 25, 25, 30 points a game as as two K. Right. In yeah. real life, they're averaging the same amount of points, both at seventeen. Obviously, Tyler Hero is a lot younger. I think as his career grows, he will average more than Drew Holiday did. Um, Offensively, right now. Right. I think right now we can say it's disrespectful to Drew Holiday as the type of player they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but as 2K as their own brand and selling a game, yep. it's the right move on their part as who their market is. As you guys both said, you don't play 2K and we're diehard NBA fans right. who look at it more in depth of defensive schemes, sure. what the offense brings and who's all going to be playing. Whereas everyone who's playing 2K is all offense, offense, So offense. it's more of a so business move, you think? Yeah. Oh, yep. I never yeah. looked at it like I that. Agree with that. Yeah, I never looked at it like that. That makes a lot of sense because, okay, if I'm uh, a 12 year old, I'm not thinking about defense. I want to go shoot. I want to be Steph Curry. You know, I want exactly. I want yep. the guy that can shoot threes. You know, so Tyler Hero becomes more appealing than a Drew Holiday. I see. That's a good point. Yeah, great. That's a great point. I mean, you look at it in the sense of uh, of, uh, Giannis, you know, Defensive Player of the Year and MVP. But I still think LeBron is still rated higher than him on the game. So it's truly a business piece of it. I see. I see. Yeah, so I think as just a diehard fan of the NBA and Mm -hmm. not 2K, I think that's where you see all the – these guys should be ranked higher than these guys and all of those controversies of rankings. And that's when you see, like, uh, I think it's like Trey Young and all those guys who say, I should be ranked higher than that. Yeah. They're all looking at it as actual how I perform on the court. Like, whereas I think 2K's approach of it is who their demographic is in their market yep. and how they should rank those players accordingly. And also at the same time, you can't overpower too many teams in 2K, whereas they, as you may say, Say Tyler Hero's ranked correctly at eighty. I think he said eighty three overall. Yeah. But if you think Drew Holler is a better player and you bump him up to eighty five, eighty seven max, somewhere around there, you now have a Giannis ninety seven, a Chris Middleton in the nineties, a Drew Holiday at an eighty seven. Sure. You've now built a super team on two K. So I think at the same time they're trying to. There are some teams that are going to be super teams on two K because you can't down market Kyrie Irving, James Harden, Kevin Durant, but right. you have to kind of brought in the the whole league as to keep it kind of fair matchups across the league. Sure. Um, so I think if you if you just look at your holiday compared with Tyler Hero, as an NBA fan we look we wouldn't know Drew Holiday's overall all around better player. Um, but I think how like I said the whole market of who their demographic is and fan base, you have to kind of market those people as higher ratings just yeah. to sell those copies and get all those people to continue to play 2K. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a great point. I never looked at it like that as far as like a business or like over, overpowering these teams and stuff like that. That's a good point. So this, so that's, you know, that concludes, you know, like the, the buck side of things. But now we're going to open it up to the NBA. Now I do have um, two, two questions for you. Zach, I'm coming to you first for this one. Yep. <laughs> Can the Suns be top four in the Western Conference? The Suns top four. They're playing really well. What do you think? Mm-hmm. 
So I wish this question was a couple of weeks ago um, <laughs> when we were five and one, whatever it ended up building to. Right. Now we're sitting at nine and eight. I mean, we beat the Warriors <laughs> last night, I think it was. But Devin Booker's um, been out, right? Devin Booker's been out. Devin Booker has been out. But even without Devin Booker, I think still we have a missing Devin Booker, Cameron Payne, and Dario Sarge. And Campaign and Dario Sarge are kind of the two that lead our bench squad. Mm-hmm. Um, and as of late, we've been bringing Drake, Jay Carter off the bench. Um, but with those injuries, Jay Carter has jumped into the starting spot. So we've kind of been lacking that defensive um, lineup or the bench lineup. Yeah. So with the question of if they can be top four, I, I, we are a playoff team with the pieces that we've added this offseason, adding Chris Paul, Jay Carter, both veterans in the league. Um, I think for sure we are a playoff team. I don't think with the inconsistencies and a lot of our guys having like injury problems, mm-hmm. we're going to quite be that top four. Okay. With that being said, I think there's still a lot of development that needs to happen with a lot of our young guys. Yep. Um, Michael Bridges is playing at his absolute peak, like top level right now. Mm-hmm. He's shooting 45% from three. He's been one of our most consistent all-around players. The piece that I don't think a lot of people look at, um, the Devin Booker aspect of it. Yeah. He is not as ball dominant, which is part of Mahi's play style, mm-hmm. which I like. But at the same time, all his depth are down this year. But what I don't like of his game, which I think will keep developing with Chris Paul kind of mentoring him and stuff, late in games, Chris Paul has been kind of our go-to He's going to lead us down the stretch. Yeah. But I think that needs, that needs to be yes. Devin Booker's piece. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker, kind of similar to like that Chris Middleton, how he's the best player on the team who I think can kind of go get his shot. Devin Booker can kind of score at will. Um, if you oh, look yeah. at some highlights of him against like Team USA and stuff, he's going out and Kevin Durant can't stop him. None of these guys can stop, stop him in that King of the Court drill. Yep. Um, he, he, he can go score whenever he wants. But looking at that come fourth quarter, he has been very known to turn over the ball and does not take care of the ball very well. Yeah. I think he's averaging like four turnovers a game right now, which as the best player of the team, we cannot have him turning the ball over four times a game where most of those turnovers come in late in the game. Yeah. Um, so I think where our record sits now, some of those losses are coming to injury. Um, and a lot of those wins are coming to Chris Paul's leadership where he's able to get us that last mm-hmm. take care of the ball late in the game, um, whereas the ball can get out of Devin Booker's hands a little bit. Yep. So I think if Devin Booker continues to learn from Chris Paul and he takes care of the ball a little bit more, we will continue to jump as towards the top of the Western Conference. But mm-hmm. I think for this year, we will still be in the bottom half of the Western Conference playoffs. Sure. But I do think we could, yeah. we could steal um, maybe a series or two in the playoffs. Yep. just due to the talent we have. Um, but we still are very inconsistent um, with how young we are. Um, I think Chris Paul is really the only veteran leader we have on the team. DeAndre, he's been very inconsistent because the game he drops like 30 and 18, and then like next game he has four points. So it's very, very <laughs> yeah. inconsistent with what we're going to get out of DeAndre every yeah. night. Whereas if he's, put, if he's putting that up every night, Dan Booker's himself, Chris Paul, that big three right there, we would be that top four. But... I don't think we're going to get that every single night. Yeah. So I would, we're for sure a playoff team, I think, this year. Mm-hmm. Um, but over the next couple of years, I think we'll be that top four seed. But I think this year, to answer your question in a lot more detail, 
I don't think we're top four. You don't think you're top four. Paris, what do you think? Are the Suns top four? Can they, like, currently it's the Jazz that's on, what, an 11-game win streak? And they just won without right. Mitchell. The Clippers, the Lakers, and the Spurs right now. Now, the Nuggets right. are knocking on the door. Um, so do you think the Suns right. can be the top four seed? No, some, someone else there. <laughs> no, not at all. Yeah. Um, Devin Booker, good. Um, and probably for me, one of my favorite players is Chris Paul. I think people, I think people have him so underrated in what he does. Four teams he did for the Thunder, now with the Suns, uh, even with the Rockets. <laughs> he has this ability as well to train up these young guys. He keeps them in the playoffs. He probably keeps them in a spot they're at, a six or a seven. I don't think he'll get up to the top four, but he's going to make it tough on whoever's going to match him up in that first round mm-hmm. at the end of the day. I was one of those people. I love Drew Holiday. I'm happy we have him. I do not regret that decision, but I was one of those people that was hoping the bus would have went out there. Chris, uh, Chris Paul. Paul. Yeah. He has he has his mindset. He can, he's a coach on the floor, and he's a vet that – Gives you that experience of what you need to do. He and knows the, the game. He knows the game. He can give it to you. He's going to tell you what you should do on the floor. And I think that would have been a great mentor also for uh, Giannis out there. But he's doing that same thing with the Suns. He keeps the Suns five, six, or seven seed there. They're going to make it tough for whoever, whoever they play in that first round. And then, like you said, it might even go and help and get to the second round with that team. Um, but I don't think they're a top four team at the end of the day. Yeah. Well, I want to tell you that I I actually disagree with both of you. So I'm watching the really? Suns. I think the Suns now it depends though. If they can stay healthy, Devin Booker not get hurt. He seems injury prone. If he cannot get hurt the rest of the season, I think that the Suns can be a top four seed. Let me tell you why. So Okay. It's going to be the Lakers and the Clippers and Denver. I think those three are solid. I think those are three solid teams that they're going to be the top three. Now, the fourth spot, you got to worry about Utah. Now, Utah, are they playing well? Absolutely. Jordan Clarkson is probably playing the best basketball he's ever played. He's probably going to win six men this year. I, I, I'm, I'm willing to bet he's going to win six men. They're on an 11-game win streak right now. Now, Devin Booker is a scoring machine. Had he not went down, I'm pretty sure you would have won over half of the games. Um, And that would have put you in that fourth spot as of right now. You know? So, I think if, if... if the Suns stay healthy, I think that they get the top four seed. I, I mean, Utah Jazz, they are really good. But if you look at that team, everybody right now is so hot. Mitchell is hot. Gobert is, you know, being Gobert. You know, uh, Jordan Clarkson is out of his mind right now. Um, Joe Ingles. I think that team is just really hot right now but I do think they're going to cool off. Donovan Mitchell, I do like Donovan, but he's he's kind of like a I'm a shoot first and then he's not going to get a good percentage, you know. 
He's one of those players. So yeah. I I do man, Phoenix, I was watching them. Um I've been watching them all season. Mikel Bridges, I think he made that jump offensively as far as, you know, hitting the three um offensively. I didn't know he was that good defensively. I think defensively, he's one of the best on-ball defenders. Like, he's long, lanky, and he just get out. Now, I think the X factor for the Suns is on getting that top spot. Now, I'm, 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 I think the Jazz is going to cool off. Like, I don't think they're going to be in that top four. I still think that the Phoenix Suns can and will be the top four seed. If Devin Booker stays healthy, because Devin Booker is a bucket. Uh, but I think the key to the Suns is Devin Booker staying healthy and Cameron Johnson. Now, Cam, I knew he was okay last year. But this year, I think he shoots over 40%. The kid is good, man. If he can, If he can average, you know, around 15 points a game, hit a couple threes... And uh, I think he's going to be really good. Um, now, Chris Paul, I think he gets him. Again, he knows how to win, man. He just knows how to win. He's going to get them to the playoffs. But I still think they sneak into that fourth spot if Devin Booker stays healthy. And they got the veteran leader, um, Jay Crowder. Jay Crowder has been battle-tested, you know. And if they they have him coming off the bench – and he can hit the three. I like that team. I think Cameron Payne needs to step it up a little bit. Um, uh, but and you got Sarge as well. Like he can knock down. I like the Suns team better than I like the Jazz. I, I just think the Jazz will. How far? What'd you say? How far do you think the Jazz? How far do you think the Jazz will fall if they cool off? I, I give them that fifth seed. I don't think they're going to go too low, you know. But I I can see, the. I mean, if the Suns get the fifth, I think the Suns are going to get either the fourth or the fifth seed. Uh, and I think it's going to be between Phoenix and Jazz. But as of right now, I like the Phoenix Suns better than the Jazz. And I know that sounds weird because, I mean, they're in the middle of an eleven-game win streak, you know. So, but oh, I, I, hear you. I, I, hear you. I think all in all, if I mean they were playing so good when Devin Booker was there, and like you just see that team like being a top fourteen. But I mean, Devin Booker got hurt, and you know, and then it kind of spiraled after that. I mean, Chris Paul did what he did, but if he had that offensive firepower, that you know. Uh, booker brings then i i think they would be way higher but i i do think that the suns will be the fourth seed if not i see them as as the fifth seed man they got a lot of great pieces yep. over there man a lot yeah yeah i, I completely agree with that because i think i said bottom half but i think where i'm seeing them sit by come on the season is that five spot and the other reason with that being is that I don't see the Jazz having that big of a fall off, but they'll completely tank to that low in the conference. I don't see the Spurs being a threat, and I had the Nuggets jumping up to the four spot, so I had Jazz, Clippers, Lakers, Nuggets as the top four Yeah. in whatever order that ends up being with. But if the Jazz, as you think, have that drop out, I think the Suns do take that four spot. 
Because I think the bubble from last year where the Suns went eight, no, we did not lose a single piece from that team because the asset we used to get Chris Paul with Kelly Oubre, and he wasn't even on the team for the bubble. He was, I believe, injured during the time. So we really just traded a piece away that wasn't even playing during our eight no stretch and acquired Chris Paul. And added Chris Paul, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, so and I, people can say there's no fans and stuff, but right now there's there's still no fans. So this year is very similar to that, just playing on your home stadiums. Um, so I, I think they will be – I have them at the five spot, and I think, like you said, it depends entirely on how Utah finishes the season. I don't see us passing the Lakers. I don't see us passing the Clippers. I did think we could pass the Nuggets, but now we've lost to them both times this season. So that's going to kind of make that a little bit harder now that we've lost back-to-back games against them. Um, so I have the Nuggets ahead of us. So depending on the Jazz, I see either the Jazz or Suns at 4-5. and five. I think that's what the 4-5 and five will be this year. And that's what I was um, saying, I, yeah. Yeah. So... But I do I like we said on the yeah. Cam, Cam Johnson. Cam Johnson, man. I was watching this kid. Be, uh, His shot is yeah, so can, nice, too. You know, like it's yep. it's effortless. And I, I think if he can get up to maybe 15 a game, man, I I, I think he's going to be really good for y'all. I think he's going to win you uh, a couple um, games in the playoffs, too. Like he's one of those yep. X-Factor kind of players, like one of those shooters. Um but he doesn't play too like wild, you know. He plays within himself, yep. you know. And um, I like Cam. I, I didn't know Mikel was that good on uh, defense. Um, no, so I think I think those are the two big big X factors. I think teams know scouting wise what you're going to get from Chris Paul, Devin Booker. You have to prepare for those two. So I think they'll give you what you're expecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think teams are going to be able to really shut them down from what they're supposed to be giving you. So I think you're going to get from those two what you're going to get. But I think Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson are kind of those two X factors. Exactly. Mikel, Mikel Bridges, if he, if he can keep up what he's doing offensively, I mean, he's shooting at a 45% rate, which is impressive in itself. But like you said, defensively, which is where coming into the league and what we drafted him for was his defense. He, If you look at the whole Warriors game, he picked up Steph Curry. You look at a Lakers game, he's guarding Anthony Davis, LeBron James. No matter what game you're going up against, he's taking on that responsibility of guarding mm-hmm. that best player on each opposing team, whether it's their center or whether you're running around with Steph Curry all game long. And even while doing all of that, he still is shooting at a 45% rate from three. Yeah. So he's giving you something on both sides of the ball. Um, so I think if he can keep up what he's doing, there's really nothing he needs to improve on yeah. um, for what his role is on the team. And then Cam Johnson, I think he's only he's only shooting at like thirty six percent this year from three. I think he is the best three point shooter on the team. Um, I think the only thing he's just lacking right now is still some confidence coming into the league. He's still a little bit hesitant on taking some shots. Sure. So I think if he just continues continues to build that confidence, which I think Chris Paul and having Jay Carter around him will kind of help with that mentorship of like experience in the league. Jay Carter is kind of a similar player. Um, Catching shoot three. That's valid. Um, so I think if Cam Johnson can up that to even just forty percent, and then like you said, that fifteen points a game, and I think on playoff time, Cam Johnson might switch to that coming off the bench, a solid, solid three point shooter off the off the bench. So yeah, I do absolutely. think those two, those 
those two are kind of those X factors for the Suns. Yeah. All right, so what we're going to do, um, we're going to go ahead and conclude it there. But I'm telling you, next week the questions get a little harder. I've been uh, working on them a little bit. And next week you're going to have to think a little more. Now it gets a little tougher now because we're going to be at episode three. I'm telling these are going to be some hard questions for next week, but we're going to conclude it there. <laughs>